Welcome to the 167 Podcast, a podcast to inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Our goal is to help you live into the 167 hours of your week away from church. And now your host, Shannon Patterson. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Episode 7 of the 167 Podcast. I'm Shannon Patterson. I get to be the lead pastor here at the Porch Community Church, and I'm here with my friend Joshua Harrell. He is our media pastor, guru, slash wonderkind. What's a wonderkind? It's like a German word for like, you're awesome. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Um, again, if, you, if you're if you in for seven episodes and you haven't had hit haven't hit that subscribe button yet. If you're in for seven episodes and you haven't hit that subscribe button, what are you waiting on? Yeah, hit hit it. Hit the hit subscribe it. button so you don't miss an episode. Like it. And then make sure you share with your friends. Yeah. And if you don't have any friends, this is a good incentive for you to make some so you can share something with them. Yes. So <laughs> I'm in kind of a weird mood today, Josh, so I don't know. Listeners, beware. Um, this could be a fun podcast. Oh, we are, we are going to nerd out today. Um, yeah, yeah. Anything else you want to say intro-wise before we jump in? No. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, we of course we've been in this uh, series called The Gospel According to Genesis. We've been looking at some of the uh, main points in Genesis, which... You know, like I think I said in one of the weeks, it was like you could spend an entire series on, you know, the garden or right. the flood or the fall, you know. Um, but as we have been, we're kind of moving out now of the the first 11 chapters of Genesis. And so what I thought would be kind of cool is to share a few things about Genesis that maybe our listeners don't know don't know that that it's even a conversation or a discussion or maybe that it's a, uh, a debatable uh, topic or whatever. Yeah. So, um, so I, I thought I would cut. I would start with this. This is kind of because uh, it's going to be interesting to see how people respond to some of the stuff we talk about today. But mm-hmm. um, some some things you might not know about the Book of Genesis. <clears throat> the first one is pretty simple that I wanted to share, and it's that Genesis. Did you know this, Josh? Covers more time than the rest of the entire Bible combined. So, like, Genesis covers about 2,300 years of biblical history. Right. um, The most of any other book. And then all the other books from Exodus through Revelation cover about 1,800 years. So. See, I knew Genesis covered a lot of time, but Exodus also covers a lot of time. <laughs> yep. So I wasn't sure. Not as much as Genesis. Yeah. So all combined, though. Yeah. All combined. Okay. So I think that's pretty. That uh, is neat. And, of course, the caveat could be, well, um, Revelation encompasses our forever existence in eternity. So Yeah, I guess Revelation depends on how long we're here to yeah. which book actually covers mm, there you go. the most amount yeah. of time. So <clears throat> this past week we talked about the flood. Okay. Um, and... Like every week so far, I hope that what people have heard and understood is that we don't focus, we're not focusing so much on the how, mm-hmm. we're focusing on the why. So like, I didn't go into any great detail about the building of the ark or, 
you know, the animals and all that. I just kind of made mention of it. Right. There it is. And that's, and I think, you know, for our listeners, keep that in mind as we discuss these things today. Um, It's not so much about the how, it's about why. Why is this story important? Why is it, was it important for this to be recorded and handed down, um, whether told as a story or, you know, eventually written down for us to have for all time? Like it's, it's about the why. And it's about God's desire to be in relationship with us. But, um, you know, some people want to, uh, in regards to the flood, they want to disregard, just completely disregard that there was even a flood. Like, just disregard the account of it. Like, right. And and their basis for that is that there are other accounts, other non-biblical, like historical accounts of a flood. Right. And so yeah. the some people want to um, say, well, since other people have recorded it, then whoever whoever wrote this uh, biblical version, they're just copying what was mm-hmm. out there. Which I don't think it's a very solid argument. No. Um, <laughs> at all. Um, well, I mean, even up until this point, most of the... Almost all the three major religions align up until this point, and then we'll see a big divergence when we get to Jacob and Esau. Mm-hmm. Right. So, which kind of makes sense because that's when yeah it, things kind of so, change. So it's if you ever wonder what what why uh there's problems in the Middle East, just go and read about Jacob and Esau and and onward. Which we'll actually be talking about in this sermon series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Um, plug for later, but it, it's. It's very interesting how most of the major religions have a very similar out of the main three mm-hmm. uh, Christianity, <clears throat> Judaism, and Islam. Mm-hmm. Have about the same um, Genesis type creation, story. T- beginning, yeah. origin story. Yeah. And then. That's for you comic book nerds out there. You, you get the origin story idea. And then about midway through the chapter of Genesis or book of Genesis. That's when the diverge happens for mm-hmm. uh, Judaism and Islam. Mm-hmm. So um, it's funny how, like the Quran, it it has a story about a flood, mm-hmm. kind of to the same vein as the uh, Bible has. Right. So I I think that's a neat aspect of it. Yeah, and, and that's that's why I would say that it's not a very valid argument to say, well, because others have a recorded flood history, um, it'd almost be like how about. Other flood narratives also serve to reinforce the idea that this was actually an historic event, that it did in fact happen, and multiple people experienced it and and um, were part of it. So I, I don't think that that goes, you know, mm-hmm. off the. You know, you can't just disregard it and go, well, other people talked about a flood, so then the one in the Bible doesn't count. That's that's not that a good is, argument. Yeah. Um, one of the. Uh, it, still talking about the flood here for a minute. Um, did the flood actually cover the entire earth? Joshua, what do you think? Well, okay, so, <laughs> I mean, I'm typically a literal, mm-hmm. like I read something as is until someone challenges the the literal sense of what I'm reading. Mm. So, like, uh, let's take Genesis out of it. Uh, Revelation, I'm gonna be really upset when there's not like a like a dragon 
<laughs> eventually, you know, right? <laughs> so, unless there's a reason for me to take it figuratively, mm-hmm. I assume everything is literal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I assumed. Yeah. And I, I say, I, even after me and you talking yesterday, I kind of still assume. Yeah. That the entire planet was flooded. Yeah. And, and I'm just, I'll probably say this about 10 times today during the podcast. Let's all keep in mind, it's not so much about the how, it's about the why. And the flood story is about God's need to do a reset back to day two and a half of creation because of sin. Mm-hmm. So it's the why. So wherever, wherever you find yourself, um, <clears throat> You know, one of the things to take into consideration about the flood and did it cover the entire world is um, when you look at the the text and it talks about the whole earth or um, the firmament, you know, being covered. One thing to keep in mind is that whomever wrote this account and whomever, or, you know, as the story was passed on and on, what you knew as what was they knew as the whole earth mm-hmm. the entire the entire globe hadn't had yet to be seen or discovered right um so you know i think it it's very plausible that someone could say yeah it flooded you know kind of like how we talk it flooded everywhere well mm-hmm. did it flood everywhere or did it flood everywhere where you are you know right. like those kinds of things um is it possible for god for god to have flooded the entire earth without a doubt he is able. He is. He's not restricted. Mm-hmm. Um, my personal perspective is is um, I understand this to mean that you know the entire Earth was flooded as to what they knew existed as their their world, what it was able to be seen, um, but it doesn't. You know. Uh, so, me and you kind of talked about this yesterday <clears throat> yeah. in prep for today, yeah. and uh, you got me thinking. And then someone I read said again he he said this is a theory and I and he said I like it so I adhere to it. <laughs> he said it makes sense that God flooded everything that man had desecrated. Yeah. And since everyone hadn't dispersed out over the entire planet yet there was no need to flood places that Had not yet been touched hasn't yeah. entered yet. Mm. Wow, yeah, that's a great that's a great uh, viewpoint. I hadn't thought of it that way, but it's true. And if I so. if I hadn't read like sixteen articles, I could tell you who did that. But I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm sure. And remember, if if the focus is on the why, and that the, the the reset needed to happen, that sin had to be dealt with, then it would that fits into that mindset because it's you know wherever man was, humanity. By the way, is what I mean when I say man, um, humankind, um, <laughs> wherever there are animals and and his creation where it set foot Mm -hmm. then there you go so uh that's just something to think about as you're driving around did the flood actually cover the entire world and then the bottom line to that question is does it really matter and the answer to that is no so but if you have an opinion me and shannon would love to hear about it do we do we really want to you can email us (laughs) i'm just kidding don't come up to us on sunday at 10 (laughs) 55 But yeah, we'd love to we'd love to talk more about it. So, email I, us. I like it when people come up like one minute before I'm about to go preach with a, "Hey, can I talk to you for a minute?" I'm like, "Well, I, actually, that's all I have." So no, I don't really get that a lot. I used to. Yeah. 
I used to get that a lot, like, but I don't get that anymore. No. So, um, maybe it's because I hide right before and do a little prayer time. Yeah, that so. you you do uh, get in in that prayer mode right before you go, up, which yeah. is kind of fantastic. <laughs> well, it's always a good thing. Um, <clears throat> so here's another thing about the. Uh, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of the term, the primeval narratives. Um, if you're a biblical scholar, I'm I hadn't until yesterday. <laughs> um, and it's it's just a term used to explain again the origin story, to explain these initial texts in in this regard, Genesis one chapter one through chapter eleven, deal with how everything happened. Um, you know, most biblical scholars kind of almost universally see these chapters as having a different purpose than the rest of Genesis. And so these, these, the primeval narratives cover like this huge swath of cosmic history and, and they are figurative, highly figurative in the language. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they kind of serve as this, this grand introduction to the story of God's chosen people because uh, all of Genesis 1 through Genesis 11 is setting the stage uh, for the call of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 mm-hmm. when he goes in because he is going to be the father, the father of God's great people. Father right? Abraham had yeah. many sons. Did he have many sons? Many, many sons? sons had Father yeah. Abraham. Yeah. So, I'm one of them. Yeah, and, and so, so are you. you. Yeah. <laughs> so let's all do what? Praise the Lord. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's all. I hadn't seen that in a long time. <laughs> it's been a while. Um, <clears throat> so with the primeval narratives, um, with the, that, it, it speaks of real events. So, you know, it speaks of creation. It speaks of um, the special relationship that God had with humanity uh, versus animals, right? Um a lot of the verbiage that is, I mean, and this is talking about the actual text of Genesis 1 through 11, okay? It's actually talking about the writing style of that text. It is written in a, in a rhetorical um, and theological ways, and they have much more to do with the purpose of the story than like just a plain narration of facts like this happened and this happened like here's the facts it is covering a larger picture does that make sense yeah okay um okay and and this is when you compare it to other ancient texts written around the same time non-biblical text Mm -hmm. right it is written in the same format it's very typical of how historical accounts were written Mm -hmm. um with Again, going back to that, Genesis itself means like origin, um, in the beginning, like an origin story. That's what it means. It's the beginning of it. And so many texts talking about trying to explain Mm -hmm. why we are here and what is this world we live in were written in a very, very similar way. You have to keep that that in mind. Um, And and it's important to note that even that Christian biblical scholars and even non-Christian biblical scholars believe Genesis to be more figurative than literal. Correct. Doesn't mean it has any less meaning. Right. Um, but it's different than, say, a firsthand account that we read of, you know, Paul writing mm-hmm. 
in the epistles mm-hmm. of his experience, you know, on the road to Emmaus. Right. So it is it's definitely different. Um, Adam and Eve were not writing down their experience in the moment. Um, Noah was not writing down his experience in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a retelling of of that time. And there's a whole other thing. There's a whole other deal that you could go down a rabbit hole of. Some people want to say that there was, there was no written, there was no, um, people weren't writing anything in the beginning. Like that wasn't something that they did. No, it was all oral. Right. And so, uh, but and some people try to put a date on where they feel like people started to record things and have an alphabet and a, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And there's a wide range of, of uh, agreement on when that came into play, and but there there are no there's obviously nothing. I mean, there are no texts from you know the very beginning. So right, it right, is right. a figurative retelling. Yeah. It surely is. And remember that the primeval narrative is meant to do a very specific thing, and that is that story of Genesis one through eleven, especially, is being told to teach a lesson. It is to share a truth. So, for example, like the command given to Noah, I mean, this is the command given to Noah in Genesis 6. It talks to, uh, it says that he is supposed to treat clean animals differently than unclean animals. And that purpose is to teach the listener about the food laws in the listener's time. Because even in, in Genesis 6, there had been no laws yet given about it to the Hebrew people. Um, there were no Hebrew people really yet. I mean, it was Noah. Right. But like, there were no laws about clean and unclean in Genesis 6. Mm-hmm. Yet, it's told for Talks Noah to do it. that. So, that was written for the listening audience. Um, it came It came in the... You know, the Mosaic time, it came in the time of Moses, so much later in the biblical story. So speaking of Moses, I think, well, I was going to move on. Do you have anything else about the flood that you wanted to, that you wanted to mention or that you no. found in your research yesterday? No, I think, uh, <clears throat> I mean, we could spend time digging, 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 but I think we can move on. Mm-hmm. Speaking of digging... Um, the, uh, thinking after Noah, uh, maybe the time of Moses was that the sky was also water, which is why it was blue. And that if you dug deep enough, you would basically come out through the sky and that you would always find water. (laughs) Really? Yeah. I mean, because you don't, you, I mean, what they didn't have like science and understanding and they didn't have... You know, telescopes and things and such, so sciencey things. Okay, so um, let's talk about Moses. How about that? Let's do it. So who wrote the book of Genesis? Most people primarily say, hey, it was it was Moses. Like he, he recorded all this stuff. Um, one thing to know, what, let's say Moses is the author. Okay. Okay, just we'll say, yep, he wrote it all. Um, and, and then also like Exodus and Leviticus and on um, the Pentateuch, you know, those first five books of the Bible. But um, the events in Genesis end three centuries before Moses was born. 
So even if Moses is the author of it all, you got to keep that in mind when you go back to the whole um, figurative mm-hmm. um, stuff. Because let's be honest, Josh, some people, when you say the word figurative in the Bible, they kind of, some people oh, can be like, oh, what are you talking about? What What do you mean? What? Some people are probably squirming right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, if they're, if they're really, really like a part of our church for a while, they're probably like, okay, I'm, I can roll with this. But yes, there's probably some. Um, and so you have to keep that in mind. Some biblical scholars who have done, uh, you know, analyzed different sections of Genesis, a lot of a lot of them think that, and this is not. I mean, you could you could go right and you could Google and find a bunch of different mm-hmm. um, schools of thought on this. But um, one of the thoughts is that Genesis probably has about three different contributors to the final text, the canonized text that you and I read. The canon being the 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 scriptures that you and I have in our Bible that have been have kind of stood the test to be considered biblical and and in line with with God's story. So, when you think about that, three different contributors, that's that kind of changes the okay, well then who wrote them and when did they write them? Um Based on, this was, I I found this to be interesting because, again, most of us think, well, what was written first? Well, Genesis 1-1 was written first. No, that's Uh, not Yeah, there's not, there's a chronological Mm -hmm. Bible, and then there's the Bible that we read that tells the story in that span of time, mostly. Right. But it's not necessarily when it was written. But based on language and, you know, the study of linguistics, and even like like how stories were told, you know, like folklore kind of ways that stories are told. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for instance, like we have the, you know, a once upon a time and then they lived happily ever after. Yeah. And you look at a whole lot of our stories from children to even adults. That's kind of how that folklorish story, we tell it in mm-hmm. the... You know, once upon a time, they lived happy ever after. In the beginning, amen. Aha, yes. So based on all that, it's kind of agreed that Genesis 2, verse 4 through um, through right into the beginning of Genesis 3 is thought to be actually the oldest textual tradition as far as that's that's the part that you go, okay, this is, um, this is, this is where... This was a record of what occurred. And mm-hmm. most people kind of date that to about 800 to 700 BC, that that was actually recorded. So that's kind of interesting. Um, who wrote it? Did Moses write it? The book of Genesis is, um, th- this is interesting. So let's say, just for the sake of you know argument, we want to be like, well, did Moses write it? Do we have proof that Moses wrote it? Genesis is quoted from or alluded to at least 200 times in the New Testament. At least 200 times. And in none of those references is it ever stated that Moses was the actual author, which is kind of interesting. Not proof one way or the other, but just interesting. You would think that if you... um wrote something mm-hmm. and you were quoted and it, and what you wrote was quoted 200 times. Right. You would think that your name might be 
attached Mentioned. to some some of it. Yeah. So that's interesting, um, and it's really significant in view of the fact that Moses is mentioned by name at least eighty times in the New Testament, approximately twenty five of which refer to specific passages attributed to Moses in other books of the Pentateuch, but not Genesis. So that's kind of interesting. So he is given credit, if you will, mm-hmm. for writing some of the Old Testament books, but he's not given credit for writing Genesis, and yet Genesis is mentioned. So it's just kind of an interesting note to make there. Um, and so the evidence, obviously, is not conclusive, but it does favor that explanation that while Moses wrote the books uh, you know, books of the Old Testament, um, it's it's kind of agreed or a lot of people want to lean to the fact that he was most likely more of the compiler mm-hmm. and editor of the material in the book of Genesis that it, we know. Cause it makes sense. Cause he worked on the other four books. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So he was kind of putting the whole origin story together, setting up. Yeah. Everything. So all there, uh, were you about to say something else? Or are we just going to throw that part in there? No, I was going to throw that part out there. <laughs> there you go. Um, so you you mentioned something I think that is important. Um, let's go back to the garden for a minute uh, about the whole literal yeah. translation. Mm-hmm. Let's let's hang out and in, in the camp of literal um, understanding of scripture and, and Genesis in particular okay. for a minute. Um, did the snake have legs? No. Now you're going to tell me that this. <laughs> Didn't take. <laughs> we really got to start filming this because uh, just the faces that Joshua makes to me sometimes are really funny. Um, did the snake have legs before God punished it? Do we know? Go ahead. Okay, I'm listening. <laughs> I mean, and these are this is just we're just kind of having fun here, so I, yeah. who knows? But so, of course, we believe that the enemy came to Eve in the form of a serpent because that's what the text tells us. Right. Uh, a large snake. Um, and after he had tempted her, invited her to go ahead and eat of the tree and said, oh, no, this is good for you and you'll know just like God knows. And, you know, all that said, when God, you know, came to bring about, about his justice, what did he say to that snake? What did he say to the serpent? In Genesis 3.14, he says, because you've done this, you're going to be cursed cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. And then he says, on your belly you shall go. So was he not on his belly before? I assumed he was a salamander. Oh, we'll see. There you go. Like, I assumed he was, like, that species at the time kind of looked like Randall from Monsters, Inc. (laughs) There you go. Okay, yeah. And then... You, you lose your hands and legs, you become a snake. Right. That, I mean, that's what I've always, mm-hmm. I've that's been in my brain since, mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up in church home, so like, I don't remember my first time hearing the Genesis story, and this has always been my take. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like, for sure. He was, he was kind of a goofy looking salamander, and then he became, a, like, he became what we know as a snake. I always picture, um, when I read the story or hear the story of Genesis, the garden. Mm-hmm. Um, I always picture the snake, and I can't remember its name, in the Jungle Book. Oh, um, Ka. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, 
And that's kind of what I picture in my yeah. mind, which I'm sure they probably drew from that idea of the whole whole thing. But mm-hmm. uh, but when you think about it, like if God had originally designed the snake to crawl on its belly, his curse of it to always walk be on your belly wouldn't. It's have... not really a punishment, no. you know. It'd be like you know, I don't know. So if it originally walked, if it had four legs or yeah. you know whatever. Um, and then you go like the cattle that mm-hmm. God had uh, the, in the story he's compared to, mm-hmm. right? Then this would make a significant difference. And obviously, um, you know, if you told me to go from point A to point B and I could either use my two legs or I had to Crawling slither up. on my belly, one of those I'm going to do a lot faster. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be really fast either way. <laughs> I'm just saying... <laughs> Once, so so you can see how that would be a curse. Like it's mm-hmm. it's going to be a struggle, you know, to, to do that. So, quick um, question: Yeah, have you ever actually seen a cow kill a snake? I have not. It's very interesting. Wow! Because like they just they stomp, stomp it, all yeah, over it, and you like it looks like they're in a rodeo mm-hmm. killing that snake. Yeah, and it is, and it doesn't matter if it's poisonous or non-poisonous. Uh-huh. If I've seen a horse do it too, and these are the only two animals I've seen do it, so. So take it with that. But if a horse or a cow, and they can't get a, they come up on a snake and they can't get away from it fast enough, they will kill it. They'll stomp it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny how like they have the natural instinct to kill a snake. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I've never seen that happen. I, I think I've, I knew that horses have done that. Um, if you know, if they're not scared, but scared off or have time to run, but, um. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was an archaeological find in 2019 in Patagonia. It's not just a clothing brand, by the way. It's actually like a mountain range type deal. Um, <sighs> but they found a snake fossil with limbs. Really? Yeah. But then you go, is it a snake fossil or is it just one, another, you know, salamander cousin or something? Mm-hmm. You know, who knows? Um, but I, 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 think I can't watch those kind of documentaries. I get nightmares. Uh, do you really? Yeah, I'm terrified of snakes. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like a super like, fan of them, but... Terrified. I'm not going to have them in a... Is it a terrarium that you would put a snake in? Sure. I guess so. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, I wouldn't put it in that either. I would say you just go and hide out there wherever you live, snakes, and... Yeah. Like, I won't... Whatever go... benefit you are to the ecosystem, then do your thing. No. No. Terrified. <laughs> Um, so here's another question. This okay. again, just having a little fun here in the garden. Mm-hmm. Could animals talk in the beginning? I believe they could. Yeah, because otherwise, it seems like the text would be like, and then the serpent said to Eve, "Did God really?" And then she would cut off and be like, "Ah, the animal's talking to me!" And yep. like, <laughs> you know, Adam, what's going on? Like, they weren't even mm-hmm. phased with that. So I think yeah. that's interesting. No, I, yeah, I totally think animals so. could talk. Now, this is all assuming this is a literal, you know, translation of all of this. Because it would be easy to go, okay, a figurative story is they were tempted to sin. Mm-hmm. And how did that play out? The enemy, okay, mm-hmm. who we know was in existence. So, you know, um, but you go, all right, so this serpent in this story talked to Eve. And Eve did not. Eve nor Adam seem to be really, really surprised by right. the fact. So there is a um, 
the, there's a commentary on Genesis, the Holman Old Testament, and I thought it was really interesting. It says, um, perhaps before the alienation that would come with the fall, mankind and animals could communicate. So it's like they didn't quite say animals talked, but mm-hmm. it was just this understanding of communication between them. So Yeah. I, I mean, that that could be more, like, like that could be a part of, like, Adam having to work for food and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. he couldn't communicate with the animals and like that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So it's like he had to go hunt and mm-hmm. avoid not being hunted. Mm-hmm. So. Wow. And then you think about the toil of the land and everything and the beasts of burden that were needed to make that happen. You know, yeah. oxen and horses and cows and all the things. Because it could have been a lot easier. It could have been like, hey, you know, Joe and Bob, you ox, come over here. I need your help. We got to do this field today. Yeah. Instead, it was like you had to break them and train them and all mm-hmm. the things. So, yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. So, um. I don't have a whole lot more in my notes. Today was kind of a hey, let's let's just see let's where we look go. at some of the things of Genesis that maybe we. I certainly wasn't, you know, none of these to me are like conclusive, one thousand percent. So I'm not going to use them in my message, but they're things as I've been doing prep and getting ready, um, have kind of come up. So I mm-hmm. I just save things as I'm, you know. Yeah. As I'm working on stuff and kind of dump them in a document. And today was, you're welcome, listeners. You get all the things that we don't know the answers to. Well, I guess before we step away from um, chapters 1 through 11, Mm -hmm. one story you didn't cover is the Tower of Babel. Oh, the Tower of Babel. I almost did. I almost did. And I just, I didn't. So we haven't gone there. For people that don't know. Mm Mm-hmm. Man, Tell us, Josh. Man wanted to uh, get closer to God, so they all came together. To, and this is the really like the I Joshua haven't read Hill. it in a really long time. So <laughs> this is the Precious Moments Bible with the ESV and a little bit of King James <laughs> thrown in there. So um, excellent, and maybe a Veggie Tales plot. Oh, wonderful! Um, this is getting better by the moment. So man came together, and all of man. What, came what together. about woman? Humanity came together <laughs> Just messing with you. <laughs> and to build a tower so they could reach God. Mm-hmm. And then God was like, you're trying to glorify yourselves and, and not glorify me. So disperse and he changed everyone's tongues. Mm-hmm. Not literally like physically. Right. But they couldn't communicate well enough to be able to do this great feat that they were trying to do anymore. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so that's that's found in Genesis 11 there, like the first eight or nine, um, actually nine verses of 11. And um, yeah, again, this is in, this fits into the, uh, that, that primeval narrative mm-hmm. um, section, because that's 11 through, uh, uh, chapter 11, one through nine, because in verse 10, it starts with, this is the lineage of from Shem, who was one of the sons of Cain, mm-hmm. um, from Shem to Abram to Abraham. Yeah, and so it changes. Like I mean, that is verse nine of Genesis eleven and verse ten of Genesis eleven are two completely different writing styles. Right. Um, it goes from story to lineage. Lineage, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And so, yeah, verse 9 ends that whole primeval narrative topic idea. Um, 
so did you have a question or were you just like, let's talk about the Bible? No, talk I was about just Bible. Like, let's yeah. talk about it. I think it fits into the overall narrative. Again, it goes back to the why, mm-hmm. to the why. Um, you know, there was sin that started right there. There was temptation and the, you know, leaving the presence of God, mm-hmm. being out of that perfection, that per- presence of God. Um, then humanity continued to sin. There was the hard reset of, you know, let's try this again. So Noah's used. Um, he's that channel of God's grace that we talked about Sunday. Um, and now here at the Tower of Babel, people have gone out. Again, they were told to be fruitful and multiply. Again, they did so. And then once again, it's like this this mindset of, hey, let's build the world's tallest tower and then we'll be like God. You know, we'll mm-hmm. be higher than anything and anyone. We'll be as high as God. Um, and to me, it's just a picture of the propensity of humanity to think of themselves as greater than God. Mm-hmm. And or to not even think about God. Right. Um, I mean, that's a double whammy is to think you're greater than God and then not even think about him. So either way, you're not, you're not doing well. And so the, the consequence here is the scattering of everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I think that for the story, the sake of the story, it, that primeval narrative, it's used to explain how the people dispersed Mm -hmm. and languages and cultures began to develop outside of that one core group of people. Mm -hmm. And then it also sets the stage for there's going to be Abraham and those, his descendants are going to be a chosen people and they will be set apart. And that's what we're talking about this coming Sunday. Yeah, we're getting into covenant this Sunday. We're talking about the covenant relationship that God has with Abraham and we're going to talk about how we are, we don't, it seems like every week I, I mention this, it's like, I don't think we fully comprehend covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, the few examples that we have of covenant right now, uh, we're not very good at keeping. And um, I don't think we treat them as covenant. I think we treat them as agreements or promises. promises. Um, and so we're going to be talking about that this coming Sunday. Mm. Yeah. All right. So that sounds exciting. Ooh, so did we thoroughly and completely just make people go, oh my gosh, I'm never listening to this podcast ever again. No, These I, people are crazy. If it's any, if our listeners are anything like me, they're like, this is probably their favorite episode. <laughs> hey, I want to give a listener shout out because, you know, last week we, we gave one to our friend Will Steinberg. Right. Um, now, uh, I said, Hey, do a post. This person didn't do a post. They actually just came. We were talking on Sunday night. We were up here for stir and salt, which is our student ministries. And, uh, I was talking, uh, to Crystal Rowan and she was like, I love the podcast. It's really great just to hear people talking out, you know, what we talked on Sunday and talking these things out. And I really like it. And I was like, well, thank you very much. So Crystal. Here's your shout out. Thank you for listening. Uh, like and share and all those things. Um, would someone ask my husband to listen to the podcast? Or my wife. <laughs> they... here's, the... <laughs> here's the deal. They hear us talk all the time. They They're do like, not what? want yeah. to listen to. Like, you know, if Are... my husband had a chemistry podcast, 
I would listen to You'd the at first, least listen to one. I would listen to the first episode for sure. And then I would, you know. Our I'd, spouses I'd have not go. listened to a single one. So if you see Drew Patterson. Or Kara Harrell. Say, hey, how's the podcast going that your amazing spouse is doing? And see how they respond. And then report back to us. And um, we thank you for that, listeners. So, <laughs> Well, for that, I'll be in the doghouse. <laughs> we don't have one. I'll be outside. Um, but thank you guys for listening. We really do appreciate it. It's it, This has been a really, on a personal note, and I don't know if I've said this before, So, but on a personal note, um, knowing that I'm going to sit down with you, Josh, and talk about... Uh, like deeper or more involved or maybe the things that don't necessarily fit into the message, but they're interesting to me Mm -hmm. um, has been very beneficial to me in preparing the messages that I do share on Sundays. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's kind of helped um, fill that out a lot. And then coupled with that, working on the study guides that we're making available to people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you want to say a little bit about that. Uh, you can find them every Sunday morning on our website. You just click sermon notes, and they'll be there on Sunday morning. Yeah, not before. So we're just you know trying to make, just help you guys engage in the other 167 hours of your week when you're not here, part of the worship experience. So thank you guys. We really, really do appreciate you. We look forward to spending some more time with you again next week. See you, bye. See ya! You've been listening to the 167 Podcast. Join us next time for more insights to inspire, challenge, and encourage to help you live into the remaining 167 hours of your week.